Welcome back. It's uh, Auto Left Topic. Uh, I'm your host, Andrew. And who do I, I have with am, me? I am your other host, Brad. <laughs> What's up? I don't know. Improvising a new <laughs> intro to throw you off. Yeah, it, it does throw me off, as you've learned in the past. When you change, when you change, change and I don't get along very well. So it takes me a little bit to get through there. But it's also been a couple weeks since we recorded, so maybe I didn't remember what the intro was supposed to be anyway. Uh, we don't remember what we record episode to episode, so that's true. Uh, if I don't edit the episode the same day, or at least the next morning, sometimes I don't remember what we <laughs> talked about. You're listening about to it, my... you're like, man, I made a good point. Well, I'm like, well, what should I call this episode? I usually try to just pull it from something we said. Right. That's the that's the secret. And then I'm like, uh, what did we say? So this episode will be titled The Secret Sauce. And then... We always we always appreciate the people that listen, but it's always funny when somebody comes up to us, you know, we're at Cars and Coffee or something, and it's like, hey, <laughs> about the, you know, they start talking to us about something, and it's like an episode that was like a month ago, Yeah, and we're both like, uh... uh... I don't remember that, but that's okay, because once you get me going about it enough, I'll probably remember, because yeah. if I cared enough to discuss it here, I obviously care enough to discuss it again, I just don't remember what I said. I don't know if it's a brain thing that we know it's being recorded, that we don't commit it to memory or something. I think it's just we're not saying, we're not committed to a script. So if we're saying something, it's off the cuff, but it's a true opinion. So we're going to say the same thing again if you hit us, if you hit us, you know, with mm. the conversation again. But, you know, maybe our mind changed in the past two days. Who knows? All right. So um, a little bit off, auto off topic topic, new cars. Some some new car roundup because a couple sure. a big new car drop happened last week. Well, there were Everybody two big new about. car drops uh, in the past couple of weeks, and they're both from the same company. Oh, that's true. Uh, I don't. We never discussed we, the first one. We didn't talk about the Ford Lightning, do we? No, we did not. We probably should. No, I think we recorded the day after the big uh, embargo lifted, and then we just forgot about it. But um, yeah, we heard all the info, and then kind of just recorded and didn't think anything of it so i'm into it man i mean it seems really cool it's they basically just took an f-150 put a full ev drivetrain in it took where the engine would be made into a massive frunk they're calling it yep um which one of our other friends that daily drives a pickup truck said he's like that's super useful because He's like, pickup trucks are so long. He's like, I always try to back into a spot. And if I'm at the grocery store and somebody pulls in behind me, I can't get to the tailgate. So if right. I had like a, a front end, I could just load stuff into. Plus, it won't get wet or stolen. <laughs> Way easier. Yeah, it, 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 it fixes the age old problem of secure storage in a pickup truck. So if you yeah. wanted secure storage, you had to get a hard tunnel cover or a cap which essentially took away a bunch of the functions of a pickup truck. You know, it limited you to, yeah, it limited you to cargo line. size. Yeah. So now you don't have to worry about that because you have the giant front trunk or frunk and you still have the whole bed. So, and the thing doesn't seem to have like a cut down towing capacity from a normal F-150 either. In fact, I think it's got a higher towing capacity than a standard yeah. base model F-150. It'll do like 300 miles without towing anything. And which 300 miles is uh, a work week for me. And mm-hmm. the, 
the crazy thing is, you know, I work for a company that, that does EVs. If I owned a vehicle like this, it would get charged every day. So, like, yeah. in theory, it would have unlimited mileage. Like, Most people would, don't do 300 miles in a single trip on a regular basis. No, but it's 300 miles for me, generally. Every car I've ever owned, 300 miles is basically a tank. Yep. That's, yeah, the, way very... I, that's the way I think of it. That's... That's what my threshold was, that the car, an EV needed to hit 300 miles. Because for me, that's normal. I would fill up a tank. You know, I, basically every car, Stephanie's Crosstrek does better, but they also tricked fuel economy with that car by putting a massive fuel tank in it. Like, it'll okay. do like 450 miles. Because it's got a 20-gallon tank? Yeah, it's, it's like well, it's like 15 or 16-gallon tank for a little car. That's big yeah. for a little car. Yeah, no, most, 300 most, miles. Most of my cars are like twelve gallons, except for the Montero. But three hundred miles is a pretty good, a pretty good standard. Um, I think a lot of the mainstream electric cars have hit that now. Um, mm-hmm. But it's neat to see the pickup truck come out and have that same kind of range. So, like I said, it's what they were trying to sell initially with electric cars is well, you don't have to worry about it because you can charge it every night when you go home. Well, the problem I, I would also do that. Yeah, but the problem lies in the person who doesn't want to do that. They just want something they can drive for 300 miles and not worry about it until they have to do it again. Uh, yeah, I suppose um, you could. Or you don't have a charger at your house and you have to rely on public charging. Which would uh, make sense if you're like in an apartment complex or something. Yeah, because if, you, yeah, if your apartment complex hasn't put in chargers yet, right. and uh, if you don't have 220 hookup in your garage area or outside, it takes a lot longer to charge on 110 versus 220. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And but then it would, hopefully it would they have definitely... Enough- Hopefully Sorry. they have enough uh, chargers that are going to be more universal and not Tesla chargers in places too, because that's what's going to. You know, I start actually, I, this. I don't know what the charging standard is. Um, that's a good thing to look up. There may be a there's, couple different ones. There is a couple different ones. There's Tesla. There's like Chad Miko or something, which I think is a Japanese. Um, and then there is a. a SAE uh, with a J number, and I can't recall it right now, that I believe is a U.S. cars. Okay. Um, I should really look that up, actually. Well, they should make it a standard or make adapters to make it a standard. Like- I believe you. most of them come with adapters. I don't think they allow you to have Tesla adapters or something weird like that. Probably. Um, but, yeah, it's it would definitely, for me, it would take the... If I had a bigger, you know, eventually we would like a slightly larger house. It's nice to have a truck for doing house projects and not having to borrow one from a friend that has one or yep. uh, rely on them or whatever. So because they're busy doing their own stuff, too, because they have a house and, you know, but whatever. Um, it would take a lot of the guilt out of just daily commuting in a big truck. Because it's just electric yeah, you're not getting 10 miles to the gallon no you're just using electricity and you're not using electricity at any bigger of a rate it seems than say um i, I don't know how they measure the you know e miles per gallon but it doesn't seem like it's much less efficient than something in a tesla range or anything like that you're not using more electricity to charge it no you know so it's a um, uh, it's a neat alternative now and the cool thing What's smart about it is they kept it in the same shape and size 
as an F-150. So and it's I think, something that everyone is used to. Yeah, I think that's been an overlooked thing in most of the EV world, is all these EV manufacturers are coming out with cars that look like an EV. And I yeah. think they're missing a huge chunk of the market. People who don't want this futuristic looking thing, they want something that looks like the thing they already have. Yeah, see, um, we're not opposed to EVs, but like I said before, they need to have some style to them. I don't. And if you want to get people to adopt EVs mainstream, they can't look like little, uh, little egg cars for EV nerds. Like they, they need to be like cool looking or functional, which I think they've achieved with this F-150. So yeah, hundred percent. Cause it looks like an F-150. There's nothing about it yeah. that says it's electric other than yeah. the badging, which is perfect. Yeah, you know, it's it's not it's not it's not that it's not cool, quote unquote, to drive an EV, but it's not cool to drive an EV that's an egg for a lot of people. So just taking your standard vehicle and turning it into an EV is the way to go. Now, it bears mentioning that this is not the first time that manufacturers have tried this. You know, there was an electric Ford pickup in the mid 90s. It was a Ranger. Was just, yeah, they had a Ranger and Chevy had an S10. It was fleets, yeah. They were fleet sales, but it was too early to be a mass adopted thing, you know, and the range was short, had to be charged every night, you know, and then it was, it was kind of a niche market, but they did it before. Well, so it's not, they were only sold for fleets. That's why. Right. And this, but this is not uncharted territory. Is no. what I'm saying like, it, it existed before and it was and a good idea then. And now it exists again. We're of the opinion. A lot of people are of the, are of the same opinion that once the major manufacturers started throwing their weight behind this stuff. Uh, it's just going to get a lot better, a lot faster. Yep. And I think you're going to see a lot less of the startup companies, which is, I guess, good and bad. <laughs> you know, you, you want to see more startup companies, but you also don't want to see garbage out there. So, I mean, I guess they just couldn't get to market quick enough. You know, there's, there's too many rules and too much red tape to cut through making a car. Like, I think we're going to see Tesla survive once all the mainstreams make you know, cars, they were not going to be as prevalent as they are now, you know, percentage wise in the EV market. I think it'll just be a, mi- a niche. I think they'll builder. be. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to be mainstream at all. Um, but you're not going to see companies like or some of the other ones. You know, Rivian supposedly is pretty close, right? To making a car. Supposedly. Um, oh, there was another one that was building trucks. Well, that was one it, was a wild was story. Livewire. It was something. Oh, Livewire is the Harley. No, but it was something like that. There's another one Lightfoot that was a foot or something. No, it was a wild story with the investors and stuff in that one. That one was a scam. Yeah, that stuff's always yeah. sketchy. I mean, Which is something that the mainstream manufacturers getting involved in this is going to cut out a lot of these scammy companies from trying to yeah. you know, jump in there. I mean, I like, you know, it, I like the. Um, there was that concept of the, it was like the alpha motors, whatever. It kind of looked like a little alpha, you know, if they have two, they have a little pickup truck and they had a little car. Yeah. If that was real, if it comes out, that's also pretty interesting. Absolutely. Because it looks cool. Nicola. Nicola was the one that was a disaster. Hmm. Right. They were an absolute, you know, basically just money grabbing scheme. (laughs) That was all it was. And they got GM to back them. And then the guy who was in charge sold his shares and ran away and nothing kind of came of it. So 
That was what I'm thinking of. I mean, that's Tesla sort of reminds me of like DeLorean, but that's just me. Uh, he's crazier than DeLorean. He is. He's not going to run out of money and resort to selling drugs. No, but uh, it does kind of remind you that sort of like. Oh, well, it's that upstart company that's trying to break into the mainstream and the big three don't want him there. So that's it's kind of the it's always been that almost their manufacturer story with DeLorean or Tucker or um, what was the other one in the. Bricklin or any of these guys where yeah. you know they, they had a product that came to light and they almost they almost made it, you know, fully there, but they didn't quite get there. So Tesla has made it further than any of those other manufacturers, obviously. They have more than one model and they've been around for a decade at least now. So there's definitely uh definitely a little bit more going on there, but there's also a lot more money, I think, behind Tesla than there ever was, even adjusting for inflation for those other companies in the past. Yeah. Well, so. anyway, four lightning is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I dig it. Very interesting to see it. where it goes. Yeah. Well, it's like um, it's like we said before. You know, I don't I don't think the electric car takes away anything from the average car. You know, we love our sports cars. We love our vintage, you know, feel and sounding cars. But when it comes to a modern car, I don't even care what's powering it because, you know, something like the Crosstrek or you know, my Volkswagen wouldn't be made better or worse with an electric driveline as far as driving experience goes, you know? Yeah. I think you'll see a lot of um, older cars eventually be EV swapped as well. No, I think so. Um, I think so. I can think of like, you know, an old Mercedes diesel. Sure. It's pretty cool looking, but glacially slow. Yeah. And super dirty. But if you did an EV swap to it, be cool looking. And could easily keep up with modern traffic. Yep. No, I'm I'm 100 down with certain cars that are vintage being EV swapped. You know, there's, there's always going to be something to be said for again sports car sound, muscle car sound. Yeah. You know, you don't want to swap all all of them, but yeah. you know the Air occasional because yeah, the occasional do, cruiser is fine. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it was it was random like on the morning news, like I don't know they do like some like weird little eye poppers thing they call it. Um, every once in a while, and, or and it's like a just like a puff piece type thing. But they're talking about in Maine, somebody converted it just like my mom's car. It was a, a Super Beetle yellow convertible. Yep. But EV swap, like it was like the first one ever done. But I was like, that's definitely happened before. It's happened quite a lot, actually. <laughs> I this think, entire I, companies dedicated to swapping Beetles and Porsches. I think they're just reporting on it because it's Maine. It's local news. I don't know, but that. That's you know, a type I of car this new that... thing up here. It's called <laughs> electricity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a but that's the type of car that would would benefit from it pretty well, I think. I 100% agree. All right. So the um yeah, those EVs are cool. The uh Lightning's cool. And then Ford also dropped the new Maverick, which they were teasing. Uh I guess there is a small pickup truck war coming. Sort of. <laughs> it's sort like of. a small car pickup truck war. Yeah, more El Caminos. Yeah, Ford or El Caminos. I mean, honestly, let's let's call it what it is. I mean, let's not, you know, mix words about it being a pickup truck war. It's it, and this is why I'm having a hard time getting super excited about it. It is a pickup truck. 
It's a crossover. It's a crossover with the back cut off. That's yeah. I mean, to me, that's what the Santa Cruz looks like. The Maverick looks more like a truck. That's what makes it more appealing to me. It looks like a truck, but it's a Bronco Sport with a back cut off. So in the same in the same way, a Honda Ridgeline is a Honda Pilot with a back cut off. They're they're crossovers with a open trunk. Yeah, I I know, which is what an El Camino was. Yeah, but it was that was before crossovers were a thing. It was still a car. Yeah. El, El Caminos deserve to exist. I'm not sure, sure. about these. Well, there was a case for it then. It was a it was a much more so when the El Camino first came out, you know, nineteen fifty nine, pickup trucks weren't super fancy, something you drive every day often. They were starting to get nicer for daily use, but they weren't still. They were still mostly work vehicles. And the El Camino was exactly what you were discussing earlier about the Ford Lightning. It was the pickup truck for the homeowner who didn't need a you know a clunky pickup truck but wanted something that drove like a car. So it made sense at the time, I think. Um, which I guess, as I'm saying that, is creating the case for the crossover because yeah. it's the it's the station wagon for the person who doesn't want a station wagon. So, Well, I mean, station wagons there. can fit a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, yes. they both have station wagons. But sure. there's certain times when you just need, you'd be like, man, it'd be really cool if I didn't have a roof back here for this one time. Yeah. I get it. Um, if you want to so, put a bike in there without putting it on a roof rack. So it sounds to me like you're making the case for an El Camino over a crossover-based Ford Maverick. Uh, no, because El Camino's are only two doors, and it's really annoying to only have two doors and a bench seat when you have uh, a family and a dog and all the stuff that goes with those things. Okay, so Subaru Brat. Now you have four seats. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, Subaru, just, Subaru Baja. If you put, hold on, if you put a rear-facing child seat in the back of a Baja, would you have to face it towards the cabin? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Seems like a bad idea anyway, so I let's mean, just not do it. Yeah, there's no, <laughs> I don't even know how you secure it. It's got seat belts, just like a normal seat does. Yeah, I, so... But speaking of Subaru, like the Baja, I mean, I guess they were like 10 years too early. Sure. Listen, I I like the Baja. I always have. You know, I always looked at it as a uh, a four-door El Camino, if if you will, a four-door Ford Ranchero, um, a four-door Subaru Brat. I thought it was a neat little thing. Um, It doesn't have a ton of space in its bed. But again, neither do any of these new trucks that are coming out. Oh, I just said trucks. Neither do any of these new rear cabless crossovers that are coming out. So I, I listen, I, I, I might, I, I sound like I'm down on the idea. I'm not down on the idea, but I'm not thrilled with them being based on crossovers. I'd rather they be based on cars. Why? It's the same height. No, they're tall. They're crossovers. That's the definition of a crossover. It's a tall car. Cause it's easy entry. I don't need easy entry. I'm not that old yet. It's fine. This is the appeal of it, that it's like a truck. Right. Well, I want them to market it directly to me, who's not going to buy one regardless. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You're like, (laughs) you're the one that like skews the focus group and they're like, what is this result? Throw it away. Yeah. (laughs) 
And they're like, what did he buy? A used Volkswagen. Okay, fine. I don't care his opinion. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so anyway, regardless of making fun of them and calling them rear cabless crossovers, um, the Ford Maverick is actually pretty neat. I'm not going to lie. I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it's weird yeah. that it's... Well, it makes sense that it's front-wheel drive only because if you're going to make a base model, a base model like small pickup truck used to be rear-wheel drive only, which were really annoying in the winter because they had no weight in the back. Yep. Um, so you might as well just make it front-wheel drive. There, um, There is an all-wheel drive option. The base, there is. The base, yeah, the base model is front-wheel drive. Uh, and That's what makes sense to me. And it's hybrid. And Optional. It gets like... Yeah, the hybrid gets like 40 miles a gallon. Yeah. Um, and it's like kind of plain Jane looking, but I like it. No, it's it's got Understated. that. Understated. It's a box. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very simple, clean design. Um, you know, we talked about it a little while ago amongst ourselves that, you know, we're not, we haven't talked about the Santa Cruz yet, but the upcoming Hyundai Santa Cruz is like the exact opposite. I think Santa Cruz is gross. I, I don't yeah, like it at it's, all. It's an overstyled car versus an understyled car. And you and I, for the entire, you know, our entire lives of loving cars have always gone for the understated car or nine times out of ten. I don't car. like new Hyundais the way they look. I'm sure they're fine cars. But to me, it's like they're like, well, let's look at Toyota and Subaru and let's make our styling like it but more extreme. Yep. Well, that's what they're trying to do. They're marketing towards that. They want people to yeah. look at it and go, what is that? But then that only works for the first month they're on the road because then 100,000 people have bought them and everybody knows what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just a Hyundai. Yeah. But okay. no, the, Ford, the Ford Maverick is good. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. One of the things that's cracking me up is that it doesn't matter what Ford calls something. The general public is going to get mad about it. I mean, the general public, the people who like the uh, the general public of car people, I guess I should say. Yeah, I was like, I don't think nobody remembers what a Maverick was like. I The targeted buyers for the new Maverick weren't born when a Maverick existed. So, yeah, but people are saying, you know, in like car groups and stuff, they're like, I can't believe they ruined the Maverick name. Like, wait, wait, wait hold up. Uh, back, back the truck up. <laughs> Back the Maverick up. Was the Maverick ever something that was a good like? Was, was it, a great it just vehicle? like a mid-sized economy car? It from was seventies. Yeah, it was um, Mustang two kind of size. It was a and I mean, they oh. were neat. They had a, they made a Maverick Grabber with a three hundred two and a four barrel. That was kind of cool. Better looking but, than a Mustang two. I'll give it that. Sure, but it wasn't. It's not like a hallowed name from the from the you know the, the halls of Ford that we can't call a pickup truck. Like I can sort of see you know the anger towards the Mustang Mach E, and people are real mad about the F one hundred and fifty Lightning. But the Lightning makes sense. It makes sense, yes, because it's electric powered. But I mean, I, I don't know. That'd be like me getting mad that Dodge was like, "We're calling this new economy car the Colt." No, because nobody gave a shit about the cult. It's only a few people. Like only a few people care about Mavericks. There's no, and and they didn't exist pre like 1970. They're not like some crazy sports car with a 
you know, huge racing history and people have maverick tattoos in their backs like Mustangs. It's not the same. It'd know? be weirder if they called it the Edsel or something. I mean, I'd be down with it, but I need to give it a different grill. <laughs> so I, I just I, I think it's funny that people get so up in arms about it. And it was oh, wait, the same... wait, wait. They could have called it the Ford Edsel. 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 Mm, no, it's terrible. <laughs> I'm glad you don't work for Ford. I definitely wouldn't be buying it then. <laughs> um, and it was the same with Mitsubishi people when they came out the Eclipse Cross. It's like, who cares? It doesn't matter anymore. It's there's nothing. Eclipse has been dead for so long. Yeah, even the last two generations of Eclipses were terrible. So, and on top of it, Lamborghini makes an SUV. Porsche makes an SUV. You know, there's no nobody cares anymore. Yeah, the Lamborghini matter. SUV is called the Urus. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't matter anymore. This is a Maverick. Um, and also, for those who do not know, the Maverick has actually already been a truck for the past 25 years. Uh, yeah, like South America or something, right? Yeah. in like Brazil, I think it's made. There's a little SUV. It's a little, you know, boxy looking thing. It looks kind of like a. Oh, I don't know, like a like a bigger, more symmetrical Nissan Cube. Yeah, I think they call it like a Puma in Britain, maybe or Europe. Well, the Puma's a small economy car. Uh, it's like a Puma... Puma truck? Cross. Puma, Puma, Puma cross, cross or something. <laughs> but anyways, the Maverick... It's not like they took the Maverick name from 1970 and expected people to think it's the same car. No, there's been a Maverick almost all along. It's just not been sold in this country. Which, honestly, I didn't think this was going to be sold in this country either when they first started teasing it. Well, here's the thing. There's probably a couple of reasons why they decided to call it the Maverick. Because, one, there's a new Maverick movie coming out. So that's gonna buzz, like search, right? That gets okay. it. That gets it. In the oh, is that, that's a new Top Gun movie, right? Yeah, the the okay. sequel. Yeah. I think it's just called Maverick. Um, I think so. And uh, so yeah, you're gonna have that in the zeitgeist. Then you get. Um, it's also kind of like, uh, it's kind of the way the, mar- the the truck is marketed, right? It's like a you're you're a Maverick to drive it, right? That's kind of the, that's okay. the angle they're going for. I don't know. Uh... Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, it's marketed at like young city dwelling people that need a, a practical car, and uh, it's got that cool like bed. You can you can like put two by fours in it. You know, it's gonna be more money than Thule bars right now, but <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can like arrange them so it makes up because it's only like four feet long. It's four feet yep. wide. Yeah. They they. They put a bunch of notches in there so you can place wood in there to extend it out for a platform. Yeah, so you could carry like a four by eight sheet of plywood in there, yeah. and then the the tailgate will like ratchet halfway up or a quarter of the way up to like it 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 lifts up so that it's level with the the rear wheel well arches. Yep, so you can put something flat across. Yeah, yeah, so, it's a very well thought out vehicle. Yeah, and then they have a spot in the interior that they're going to release the uh, specs for. That you can 3D print stuff to hook to it. Okay. It's like so, all your accessories and stuff? Yeah. That's neat. Yeah. That's different. So it looks like the Ford Maverick was sold in Australia as a rebadged Nissan Patrol. That's it weird. It was sold in Ford. Uh, so the Nissan Patrol actually was sold here as the, was that the QX80. Yeah. Um. It was sold in Europe as a rebadged Nissan Toronto, which so is the weird. one I was talking about. 
And then from 01 to 05, the Ford Escape was called the Maverick in China. Ugh. So there's definitely those are, definitely those some are terrible vehicles. Yeah, I, I don't think there's there's much use for an Escape anymore, is there? I mean, with the Bronco Sport coming, uh, I think that's what a lot of people are saying. The Escape is probably going to disappear, but I yeah. I think maybe the appeal of the Escape is that you can get it a hybrid. I don't think the Bronco Sport does a hybrid yet. Well, I'm and sure they'll, well, they'll the, switch the, to it. The Maverick is based on a Bronco Sport chassis, and it comes in a hybrid. So I'm sure the Bronco Sport hybrid's not far behind. Hmm. You know, it's the Maverick is the same truck underneath. Oh, I said it again, same car underneath. Which I've seen quite a few Bronco Sports around. Um, yeah, they're way better looking than Escapes. I mean, they have they have style. So that's what it is. It's just the it's that yeah. retro style. It just works. Just the, yeah. the the slab sides and the round headlights. It nope, just kind of it emotes that classic SUV look, yep. uh, and it just makes it feel less like a goofy modern like looks like crossover. Yeah, because they all look the same otherwise. Um, and then it looks like a baby. Is it are the new Land Rovers? Yeah, yep. Which I saw one in traffic. I was like, that's pretty cool looking. Like it, the new Defender, the new Defender. Like it's kind of future. You know, you futurize the Defender. Yeah, no, I dig it. And I don't, I don't hate the Bronco Sport. I'm not going to buy one, but they're good looking. Yeah. Yeah, again, it goes against my, I don't want a crossover. Um, but I don't begrudge somebody else for wanting a crossover. I mean, maybe a little, but I don't actually. Um, but it's it's not it's not as offensive to me as all the other crossovers are. Like, Ford's own Escape. Actually, when Ford's Escape first came out, they were kind of similar shape to the Bronco Sport. Yeah. They morphed into like a smaller Ford Edge somewhere along the line. Yeah. I'm not sure how that happened, but Whatever. they weren't terrible looking trucks when they came out. Hopefully the Bronco Sport won't do that either, but I, I don't know. I, I just, I like seeing vehicles on the road that look good because I have to see them. Yeah. You know? All right. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right. Well, we've done 30 minutes on New Car Roundup, so... We didn't even mention we'll the wrap it up. compete against the Maverick. Yeah, I. it's interesting, I guess. It's just, to me, it's overstyled. Well, it's, it's got hidden headlights, expensive. which are strange. Um, but they're not hidden in traditional like pop-up style. They're like, when they turn off, you can't see them because they're built into the grill, which is kind of neat. Um, but it does not, but it does, it's neat, but it doesn't look good. I think uh, they're trying, they may need to rethink their marketing. Um, and their trim levels because it's supposed to come out with like a $25,000 base model. Yeah. And the Maverick is supposed to come out with a $26,000 top of the line. Yeah. So for 21 grand, you can buy a base model. So that's going to be a huge, you know, and a top of the line Hyundai one is going to be 35 grand. So I think that's going to be a, maybe it's in between the Honda Ridgeline and the Ford Maverick, I guess. Right. Mm. Um, we'll see I don't know 17 year old me is way into the Hyundai Santa Cruz because it's got a 270 horsepower four cylinder but yeah but I don't, know, I don't like the way it looks and yeah. I'm sure it's all auto CVT um, no, with, the two, with the 275 horse four cylinder they kind of have a uh, dual, dual clutch all so right, we, all right, we still have a little bit of yeah that's the only advantage that truck has. I would probably still buy a Maverick over it. Even the Maverick probably also has a CVT. Yeah. No. Anyway, but we're not. All we're right. not buying it for 
for performance, I guess. All right, cool. Uh, did you do any old car stuff? Their stuff, project cars. Oh, yeah. project car stuff. Uh, ordered some parts for what vehicle? Everything, <laughs> everything. Um, a bunch of parts got delivered to my parents' house in Massachusetts for the Yellow Colt. So that oh, when I'm out okay. there next time, we can put that together. Um, got all new gaskets and all new ignition parts. Um, the ignition parts that I didn't get last time, so I got some. Uh, when I was out there, I intended on making it run, and it didn't happen. Yeah, because you know, the story we already heard. But I had bought plugs, wires, uh, cap, and rotor when I was there. But I didn't buy points and condenser because I wanted to switch it to electronic ignition. Mm-hmm. So I ordered the uh, electronic ignition kit um, for that as well. So that's all out in Massachusetts, ready to go. Uh, I ordered all the suspension for the Eclipse. Uh, oh, the same okay. same package you did with the um, the G twenty, yeah. You know the car rode nice, handled nice. It's pretty much perfect for what we need. Um, so I had the Tyne S Tech Springs with the KYB uh, GR twos. Yeah, so the S Techs are interesting when you look into them. They are the stock spring rate for yeah. the vehicle. That's the point. Of the, yeah, that's the point of the S Techs. They have different spring lines. Yeah, so I ordered the struts and the springs, and I ordered all new strut tops, um, and I ordered the new bump stops and bellows kit for all of them. Um, and the only thing I haven't ordered yet is I want to get the um, the caster bolts for the or the caster the bushings for the control arms. Oh yeah, and then you'll want. Um, I have a set. I can just mail them to you because I'm not going to use them again. I've got a set of white line uh, camera bolts. Okay, cool. I'll just give them to you. Um, cool. And then I'll need to find a good alignment shop out here because I don't know of one yet. So Yeah, I mean, really, with those camera bolts, I, I just kind of crank them over as far as they'll go. Right. Because they only go to, like, you know, negative one or something. Yeah, I, I probably won't have all the parts for this weekend. Um, but I'll, So hopefully by next weekend, I'll be able to do the whole swap. Plus, I think we're going camping this weekend, so... I should have all the parts to do all the swap so that I can take the car because we're going to Radwood in um, San Francisco, NorCal Radwood. Yep. So I'm going to be driving it up there. And then the day after Radwood, we're doing a, uh, a cruise through the, through the, um, what do you call it? Canyons, Canyon Drive on Sunday morning early Just, um, with a bunch of sports car people. So double check your front control arms because they're not very expensive to get and you can okay. just replace them pretty easily okay um, take a look at them the car doesn't yeah. have any rust on it though so i don't think that'd be an issue they're probably fine just make sure the, yeah. the ball joints are good and that the inner the so ball joints are good I, I put two new ball joints on it when i got it okay all right so, so those are brand i new. had uh on the original control arms and the the talon the front inside bushing went bad and the whole arm would move does that only uh, come with the with the control arm that one's pressed in it's okay. uh it's different from the rear one and the ball joint but you can the really the one that has the caster the caster yeah. um it. but you can just jack it up and then like feel it because the wheel will swing like not like turn on the turn on the knuckle like if the wheel could move on a arc 
Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how it moved. Yeah. It was weird. But I'll take a look at it. That, look at that. It's probably fine. Maybe I'll buy them anyway if they're you know cheap enough and just because I'm refreshing everything while I'm in there. So well, here's the thing. So I found it was annoying with the aftermarket ones when I went to put in the um, caster bushings. The aftermarket rear bushings were like pressed on versus like the originals just slid on, and I had to like okay. cut one off. It's really annoying. Interesting. Um, but yeah, if you can just pop them off, there it's much easier. But I think all that will make a nice difference in the car, and then it'll be all set up just in time to head up to that, you know, Canyon Drive at the end of the month, the beginning of next month, I should say. Yep. So just again, I need to find a good alignment shop out here because I don't have one yet. I don't, I don't have fast track around the corner anymore. Do you have a so. um, spring compressor? or? Uh, I don't have one, but uh, Arizona Jordan does. So, All right. Yeah, the, it's, those aren't too hard to do. They're like, they're not too stiff. Yeah, but I bet the rears will go on without much compression. Actually, maybe even the fronts because uh, maybe not. But the bonus, the bonus plan is if I can get it done in time, um, I'm going to have the wheels redone before we go to because hmm. they look like trash and I want them to look nice. And it's going to cost less than buying a new set of wheels. So that's going to be the uh, the plan, I think. Oh, and I ordered the harness to put my old uh, Nakamichi stereo in it. Oh, nice. So we'll have a radio for the drive. Yeah. Because it's, it's a solid 12 hours from here to here to San Francisco. So, yeah, so that's a good setup. Um, did you do anything else for your cars or? Uh, well, I worked on the steering some more, but there's no new updates. So right. I have a couple of couple of thoughts on that, but I don't want to get into it too much. Yeah. Um, I drove the Cressida. <laughs> which is nice because it just drives. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, I did uh, a couple of the Saturday shows this past Saturday. It's it's funny. I'm, I'm getting full into, you know, summertime out here where it's, you know, surface of the sun in the middle of the day. Yeah, you guys but, have quite a heat wave going right now. Yeah, it's a little it's a little warm. It's actually even for here. It's been hot. Yeah, the whole west of the country is kind of locked in a, a weird place right now, but. Yeah, it's been like 113, 115 degrees. Um, but at nighttime, however, it's not terrible. So it's funny trying to... Everybody turns into vampires. Yes. Well, it's funny just becoming used to this whole culture out here of how you do things until 10 o'clock and then again after 7. But in between 10 and 7, you just kind of stay in the house. <laughs> or, you, or you have a pool or like we went last weekend, we went down to... Uh, Lake Pleasant with a couple of, you know, inflatable floaties and floated around the lake for like four hours. <laughs> so that's not a bad thing either. But um, so like on Saturday, I went to the four to four supercar Saturday. Uh, obviously, I don't have a supercar, but what anyway. Um, and I it starts at 7 a.m. now during the winter time. It starts at eight. Hmm. So everybody now gets there at seven. And by, you know, nine, nine thirty, it's pretty empty. Yeah. So, and then I went home, spent the day doing things in the house. Actually, I worked. Yay for me. So much fun. Um, and then after seven, after it was dark, I got back in the car and went to a different show that night that went until you know, probably cool. 9, 930. So it's actually, it's kind of neat how that works out because you have your whole middle of the day to do whatever kind of stuff you want to do or work if that's the case in this case. Um, but overall, it's just a, 
it's a neat, I don't know, it's a neat juxtaposition of what I'm used to there where you do things from 10 to 5, you know? Mm. So, I don't know, it's, it's neat. It, it, it helps. That's how you are able to do things year round, you know? You just got to yep. adapt a little bit. So, one thing I will say is that uh, I've been doing a ton of research into AC for old cars because I'm uh, I'm gonna need it. So, it's nice. It's really yeah, nice. it will ex- it will extend the hours when I can use the old cars because you know you don't just sit in the house in those hot hours. You want to go somewhere and do something, also indoors probably. But it'd be nice if I could take a vintage car with me, you know. So I've been looking at a couple of options and. There's some interesting stuff out there in the year of 2021 for putting AC in old cars. Everything from electric, like full electric, to uh, hmm. you know hooking up a traditional compressor to the engine. But um, I was talking to uh, Arizona Jordan because he's a car stereo installer um, about bigger alternators and how you know how big of an alternator we can put in some of these cars. And uh, some of them are pretty, pretty neat to run more voltage in an old car without making any modifications other than to the, you know, alternator connector. So I could run something like an electric AC and a radio without Hmm. drawing down too much in the car. So I don't know. We'll see. Lots of learning to do on all that stuff, but we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I, um, I actually, I registered for a Tractant America. Oh, did you? For the end of July, yeah. yeah I'm going to run it in the Galant, I think. Excellent. Uh, if not, I'll use a G20. Um, Are you allowed to decide, like, at moment of when you what you want to use? Yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, you register with the car, but, like, if you just show up with the car, what, what difference does it make? It's, I guess. It's you. You're registered. It's yeah. The run group is not dependent on your car. It's dependent on you. Um, I just signed up for the novice running group, which is at Thompson. I haven't never done it, a track day there. And the last time I did a track day was at NHMS in 2008. So I would consider myself a novice. So sure. plus uh, a bunch of my coworkers are real into it uh, and we're all going the same day. So, Oh, that makes it even better. Yeah. You know, and in my lifetime car person here, I've never done a track day. So yeah, track day is America pretty cool. Uh, they go from like usually like three in the afternoon to like nine at night. Um, so it's like kind of you don't lose your whole day. I mean, you, you kind of do a little bit, but it's also like nice to not because when you do them in the summertime here, it's still hot. Yep, <laughs> at least from three to nine, like by the end, you know, it starts to cool off. So, um, but then I was like looking at the cars, like, uh, well, I haven't. The struts are in it, or the struts that came with it. I don't know how old they were when I got it. And I put like 40K on them. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should swap them out for some feels. So I'm kind of going back and forth on that. Okay. I know we were talking about the options that you have now because there's a Tyne setup that's actually made for an Evo that would technically fit your car, right? Yeah, but I might as well just spend the money on feels because it's just. I will never get rid of the car, so what difference does it make? I might as well just put the coilovers on it. Right. Plus, like you said to me, they're when they wear out, you can just send them back to feel. They're rebuildable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and you look at feel and what they're doing, and you're like, I think they'll be around for a while. Like they're 
pretty well established now. So they've got like a lot of pro drifters using their stuff. So I think even if fuel isn't around, they're universal enough parts. They could be rebuilt by any kind of suspension specialist. in the future. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with fields is they're definitely like overseas parts, but they're assembled here. Yep. Um, Which actually I also learned that's the K sport story too. It's probably a lot of the same parts. Um, yeah, I learned because I learned that K Sport is actually here in town. They make them right here in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So, so I just looked up Case um, K Sport, the Track Night in America, and it yeah. looks like the majority of them that are closer to me are not that close to me. Yeah, it just depends on menus. Yeah, there's a couple around LA at um, Auto Club Speedway. What's wild is like. There was like one road course here in 2005 in HMS, right? New Hampshire Motor Speedway. And in the last 15, almost 20 years now, they've opened up like three or four, maybe five new road courses, uh, which I never thought I would see. I, w- I thought that you would only ever see racetracks closing. Right. Um, so there's quite a few around here. And like the one at Lime Rock sold out like super fast. Um, which that would be cool to do, but they do one at Palmer. They do one at Stafford. No, not Stafford. I'm sorry. That's a little oval track. Lime Rock, uh, um, Thompson. Yep. And I think they do one. Maybe at Club Motorsport. Maybe not. I did not see one at Club Motorsport. I was just looking at the might be a different number. Might might be a different club that does because there's a couple of local uh, groups that do a bunch of track uh, days here too. Like it's super common to do track days now. Like it was maybe there was one or two groups that did it, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And now there's like five or 10 or something like it's, um, yeah, it looks, it looks like I can, so the closest one to me is about five and a half hours away, which isn't, I mean, not terrible. I guess I'm gonna make a weekend out of it. Um, it's at auto club speedway in Fontana. Yeah. So it's a neat looking track layout, but but yeah, you could do it. Um, flush the brake fluid, throw some pads at the eclipse. You could do it in the eclipse. Yeah, uh, you got me thinking. Well, the plan eventually there is a group that runs in Laguna Seca and a couple other other tracks in Southern California. Yeah, that does all vintage sports cars. So the plan was eventually to get the you know Colt up to spec to run that. Well, that's uh, the thing, right? I don't want you don't want to go out with. Um, I don't want to do like a time trial, which no, it's what it has, has its thing, um, but that can spiral quickly, right? If you get really into it, like just I want to like, go faster. Just wanna, like any sport. Yeah, right. So if you can keep it casual to a track day, it's just like hot lapping, um, especially around here. It's so hard to find any type of roads to drive on that aren't populated. It's nearly impossible here in the Northeast. Right. So like to actually get to ring your car out, without having any fear of oncoming traffic, uh, getting a ticket. Like it makes these track days really appealing. Yeah. Um, and, and like just, uh, I guess once you find the right run group, cause they will, that's the other thing. They are like, they don't have instructors ride with you, but they have instructors watch everybody while they're out there. Okay. And they will move people around up and down in classes. So, like, if somebody registered for like 
intermediate they really shouldn't be they'll move them down and vice versa move people up um and you know they are pretty clear when you do the meetings like you know there's no way to win this there's a lot of ways to lose it (laughs) no kidding right yeah um so you you kind of just like watch your mirrors and if somebody's coming up behind you it's just like give them the point by when you you're in a pass like they have marked passing zones which I think is typically like the long straight at Thompson. So, you know, you pull over whatever side they want you and you point the person by and let them pass and everybody goes on their way. And it's, it's just kind of like, I don't know. You just want to run the car through the gears and not have anybody, have anybody bother you. Right. That's what everybody's looking for. Yep. Okay. Get out there and enjoy your car for what it's for. Yeah. So we do have a couple of local tracks here. So just not, um, SCCA ones. We have some NASA ones. See, the cool thing about the track night is like, other than having an open top car, you don't need to have a roll bar or anything. Um, it's just, you know, factory seatbelts, you know, whatever the current helmet is. I, I think like the most current you can use is like a snail. 2015, 2015 maybe probably yeah, yeah. maybe Speedy 2010 might be the oldest i think they usually do like a 10 year no which actually wouldn't be that'd be too old it's now 2021 so 2015 would probably be the oldest so, so. yeah it looks like in october they start up this year out here so there's a few different people that run them at Arizona yeah. Motorsports Park. And then the other appealing thing, as opposed to like an autocross or a rallycross, is just that you're, the seat time is much longer. Yep. Yeah, no question. Um, which I keep meaning to get to one of the local autocrosses here, but we'll see. So so anyway, uh, contemplating that. Because um, I do feel like that car doesn't ride that great anymore. I just don't notice it because I don't drive it enough. But after driving the the G20 on the new suspension, I'm like, yeah, this this should probably drive better. Well, you also have the H&Rs in there, which are probably stiffer, right? They are. Um, it rides decent. I mean, you, we drove it to Atlanta, right? It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't unbearable. No. But also, like I said, I bought that car with... 125,000 miles on the chassis, whatever, whatever those struts were put in, I don't know. Um, they also had white line lowering springs on them when I got it with the bump stops had deteriorated to nothing like the original okay. ones. Those like pink foam, they just were gone. So I, I don't know. And I already had one of them. One of the rear Ajaxes already blew out and I just had another used one off of one of my cars. I just threw it in there. So, so it could stand to be redone. They could definitely. Sure. They're like, who knows? I bet. I, I bet if I took them out, they'd be like the G twenty ones. You push them down, they don't come back. So, um, it's time to do it. I, you know, it's the, it's a car that I love and I'm going to keep. What difference does it make? No, um, you might as well. I especially, I I like them in the in the town. The town rides so nice with them because I think you'd have to ride in that with them. Yeah, when you first did it, I did. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, and the only reason I didn't go with that setup uh, with the Eclipse was uh, a the cost factor. You know, that's 
$1,000 less to put all new springs and struts in than it is to... Well, that because you might not keep the car. And I may not keep the car. Exactly. That's the thing. I could put. I could have put full coilovers in the G20 too, but I don't. I might not keep the car. So, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, how, so when you do these track nights, how, how much seat time do you actually get? I think there is three or four. There's definitely three, maybe four, twenty-minute sessions. Okay, because I'm looking at this one that's out here at Wild Horse Pass, and it's uh, four twenty-minute sessions. 20 minutes is longer than you think when you're no, on listen, track. And I know that from uh, just from karting. You know, you're yep. out karting for five, 10 minutes, or probably five minutes. And a couple of those, and you're like, man, <laughs> yeah. this is rough. But it looks like, uh, you know, the track night in America thing, there aren't very many around here, but there's at least three tracks within an hour of here. So within two hours, I should say. So there's plenty of stuff going on. Yeah, and you don't have to make it serious. Like it doesn't going to a track day doesn't mean turning your car into a race car. No, it just means using the car you have to do some hot laps. Yeah. So we get in Chandler, we have, you know, the Bondurant facility. We have Wild Horse Pass, it looks like. We have uh Indy Motorsports Ranch in Wilcox, Arizona. So there's a few. Oh, in Arizona Motorsports Park in Litchfield. So yeah, there's a few that host track nights here. So I just went to uh, HDP, try again, HPDEJunkie.com, mm-hmm. and they have they list it by region, and they have an Arizona region with all the events listed on it. So cool, that's pretty neat. So I may have to, I may have to do one this year once I've uh, finished sorting out the suspension in that car. That'd be fun. Yep. Sweet. And I can even use again when I get the Colt sorted. I can use that there too. Mm-hmm. So, so I did get so the. Um, I got a sticker on the queue. Um, no problem on that. For those who don't live in Massachusetts, he means inspection sticker. Yeah, yeah, not just like an auto off topic sticker. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, so that car's all set to be driven more. Excellent. Um, it it kind of sputtered a little bit while I was driving it back, and I think the bad fuel got mixed up kind of in it. And then I was looking, I was like, well, I've only done like fifteen miles on this car. Have you still not taken it for like a good solid run? No, I need to blast it up the road. You live like a mile from the highway. You should just take it around the corner. It's not at my house right now. It's at my parents' house. Okay. Um, I just haven't had time. Uh, maybe maybe this weekend in the morning or something, I'll, I'll take it up. Or Actually, there's a Cars and Coffee coming up. Uh, okay. Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee at the Motor Loft on Sunday morning, Father's Day. That, that was a good one, actually, last time. Yep, so I might take it up there. Excellent. Um, I might have Stephanie follow me in her car. Just in case. (laughs) Well, she's like, you know, can we come? Meaning her and the baby. I'm like, well, I don't need to go in that car because I don't want to be stuck on the side of the road in that car. So I might just have her follow me. Have her bring the G20. You can bring two cars. Uh, I'll probably just have her follow me in her Cross roll trick. roll in all the infinity all the 95 infinities because <laughs> yeah. this is a 95 fun. infinity cars and coffee well it's just <laughs> easier to have the baby seat in the cross trek so i mean she's, she's got ocs on there the, the car looks cool i mean listen it's cool than half the stuff that shows up to some of yeah. the some of the cars and coffees you go to so that's fine so anyway uh yeah that car just needs more miles put on it and um i'm gonna try to get it i think up for sale by the end of end of july is that going to be Marco's first car show? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, oh. definitely. 
Oh, I'm upset I'm not there. Um, I had to go and move away. Yeah. So that should be cool. Well, I, I get going. Oh, fun thing. Last Sunday morning, I, um, a friend, of, a friend of your dad's through the concourse car world. Yep. Um, that we know nothing about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this nice gentleman, he, he has a 67 Mustang. Uh, he's had it for like 30 years. Did a full resto concourse level car. He wrote this whole thing for, I forget which magazine is one of the Ford magazines. I don't know if there's that many left. There aren't that many left. And I recently dealt with this because there used to be like five different Mustang specific magazines. You could go to Barnes and Noble and yeah. buy. And when we started working on his Mustang here, I went to go buy a Ford Mustang magazine and there were none. There was zero. Hmm. Yeah. So I guess he submitted this story and they're like, yeah, that's, we want to run it. You know, you could, you know, send some pictures in it, but if you get somebody, a pro, <laughs> is that me? Yeah. <laughs> to uh, take some pictures of it, probably look a lot better um, or be a really great story. Um, so uh, your, your dad gave my number and we talked and I was like, yeah, let's, let's figure this out. So uh, we met at, there's a industrial park, kind of a couple towns over that I like for pictures. It was close to him. And I, your dad kind of said to me, it was like a 67 bullet kind of car. And I was like, yeah, that's cool. And I didn't, he told me what it was. And I was like, yep. Yeah. And I don't know. I must've yeah, missed, yeah, what, I must've missed what, it, what it was. And I show up and it's a 67 Shelby GT 500, <laughs> like hundred percent restoration concourse car. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and GT 500, not 350. Yeah. So now I'm like, yeah. All right, now I'm nervous because I'm like, this is a really <laughs> nice car. And it, that's the thing, right? So and he was super nice and he does drive it. It's plated. He's like, oh, I don't drive it more than like 20 miles at a time, but I'll drive it. And um, so Which that's cool. so weird to me, but okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Plus, he he started up to move it. Like, Man, that smells sweet. I feel like I'm at a racetrack. He's like, oh, it only runs on Avagas. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, it's so 110 octane. Um, this is not how I would choose to enjoy a car, but you know what? I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna yuck his yeah, yum, right? To, so, it's a, it was a beautiful car. I'm sure it was. Uh, the I, I forget the color code, but it was green on parchment, which is cool because it's not a black interior. Yep. Uh, no stripes, other than the GT500 stripes on the bottom. On no the rockers, just the rockers. No uh, racing stripes. Um, Did it have the Shelby alloys? I believe so. I'll, like a like a six spoke, almost lattice looking wheel. It looked like hubcaps. Oh no, they definitely don't look like hubcaps. Uh, I'll, I'll have to go back and look at the picture you sent me. Yeah, I don't. I don't know anything about these cars. He was telling me all about them. I didn't realize that sixty sevens last year they were built in L.A. at Shelby American. Yep. That's so cool. like. He's showing me there's all these very specific things that uh, for like the week the car was built that he had. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, those are the alloys. Um, That's what I was thinking of. You know, the underside of the hood, he had opened it because he wanted pictures of it. He had, he had a couple. He pointed out a couple of things he wanted pictures of because he has to submit those to when he wants to go to a concourse. I was like, yeah, okay. no problem. I can do that. That's, that's all right up my alley for doing technical writing pictures of mechanical stuff sure so the underside of the hood it's steel and then the hood skin is fiberglass 
which was all done in house at Shelby, which is wild to me. Like, including the decade was the same way. Awesome. Um, you know, he showed me like the the scoops on the side, which are functional to vent into the car. The ones on the quarter panels. Yep. Uh, yeah. Those are. He's like, a lot of people don't do this right. They don't put the silicone back in there when they restore it. I just take a picture of the silicone for him. Is that <laughs> concourse? Yep. It's cool. This the lower uh, scoops are actually functional. They do direct air into the rear wheel wells. Oh, for like brake cooling, essentially, mm-hmm. I guess. That's cool. Um, it's a really, really cool car. 428 Cobra Jet, four-speed. Um, I mean, immaculate restoration, right? Like The just, best. Um, and to, looking at this car, to me, I'm like, I'm like, this car in 1967 was like me buying a 2005 STI because it's really the same idea. It was a factory race car. Yeah. And yeah, well, I guess, I guess the more apt um, comparison would be like, it'd be like you going to a Ford dealer today and buying a 2021 Ford Shelby Mustang GT 500. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's just funny to me. It's just that that through line is like the same. Definitely through all of like car history, there's always been specific like racing limited edition models, yeah, that exist. Well, thanks to homologation, yeah, or just yeah. um, or just like car enthusiasts working inside of a car company just want to build a race car to sell to people, yeah, and um, it's just kind of a cool thing. No, it is. It is cool. Like this, it is cool. And I, even something as simple as like, maybe not so much your Galant, but kind of your Galant, you know, it exists because race car. You know, yeah, that's true. exists because race car. The Evo exists because race car. The Shelby, anything exists because Shelby built race cars. The only thing that's kind of a bummer. So the Galant doesn't have any like trick, like competition parts on it. Um, I don't know. Four wheel steering was exclusive to the car. The drive Yeah, line but it doesn't have like. It's not like the later cars where Evos had aluminum hoods and bigger brakes and all these little trick parts that were different. But doesn't the Galant VR4 not have different brakes than a base model Galant GS? I honestly don't know. It's just got dual pistons. Yeah. Maybe the bases had singles. Doesn't basically saying it doesn't have the Brembos like the STI or the Recaro seats like an Evo. Yeah, that's what okay. I'm saying. Yeah, I or like you. the aluminum hoods and like carbon fiber bits. Like they also didn't really exist as much in 1990 for production cars. They didn't, but you know. But in, I mean. in your case, the the Mustang has the fiberglass parts that weren't made by Ford, and, right? You know, same kind of stuff. But then you had like uh, scoops and stuff. Um, you know, our buddy Alex had the JDM STI. That had a lot of trick yep. STI parts. And that was like a similar idea where it was pulled from the production line and then built as an STI right. versus a regular WRX. So uh, Mustang's super cool looking. I can't wait to see what magazine it comes out in so I can pick up a copy because yeah. I'll have to do that. Yeah, no, it was a, that was a super, super cool car. So uh, I like this idea of him just submitting to a magazine too. Can we do that? <laughs> Write yeah. an article and submit it to a magazine. Does that work? Yeah, I mean, it's probably easy these days. I don't think there's a lot of uh, 
unfortunately a lot of money in print so no probably not but yeah he's uh he's way into it that's like his only thing um i don't know what they're worth on the open market hundreds of thousands of dollars more than yeah. likely yeah i don't know it was i i know it's a very expensive car but um yeah i i couldn't tell you what they're worth it, it's funny car values to me have become so it's it's not even a number I even think about anymore because it almost doesn't matter. Like there aren't many cars that the average person can afford anymore anyway, so it doesn't matter anymore. No, this is definitely like a blue chip car. And, yeah, um, yeah, you know, it would go to Barrett Jackets. Barrett Jackson is the fancy one, right? Not Meekum. Meekum's like the lower one. I mean, they're both pretty up there now. The super fancy one would be like Bonhams, but they. That wouldn't be a muscle car sale. It would be a Barrett Jackson. Yeah. Would be the muscle car sales. Yeah. I mean, they're all kind of—I don't know how to say it—but they're all above us, I guess. So, it says that they're around two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, one hundred to two hundred, depending on condition. That's who's joking with me. That it's it's his retirement plan. So, hopefully, he's got a simple retirement plan. Yeah, so he can't live very long on two hundred grand. No, <laughs> but. Maybe his retirement plan is to save it for all these years and then finally drive it. <laughs> That's what I would do. I'm retiring. Time to do a burnout in my concourse restoration Mustang. I mean, I asked him if he would take it like D'Amelio or something, but he's like, oh, it's kind of far. He's like, I do trailer it, but I'm like, hmm. he said the big one's like, uh, it's like ACA or something. In Pennsylvania? Uh, whatever. It's like, is it ACA or something? Some other group that certifies these concourse vehicles well there's the aaca and then there's i don't, I don't know. know it's so crazy because it's like um he's like even the zip ties he's like that i have on the like brace the tower brace there have to be correct and like he was pointing out like a rubber hose that went to the the carburetors like a vent hose it's like the correct auto light hose that was used from you know april 67 to june 67 when the car was made or whatever um just kind of crazy stuff like that yeah i don't even know how you expect a concourse judge to know all these things i think they have experts that are experts in these cars yeah but then you also had to be an expert in these cars when you're restoring them it's kind of wild I don't know. That's why you and I don't play this game. We have drivers. Yeah. I know. I have a former a former coworker. Her husband is the researcher at Paul Russell because, you know, when you're doing concourse stuff, you need someone to research all the stuff. Yep. yep. Crazy, right? No, it, it doesn't. And again, I'm not going to make fun I of mean, the man. Is it that crazy? Because, like, when I was putting my glot back together, I would find little things because I was working at the dealer. I'd be like, oh, well, that's the correct part that would go on it i want to or i would take the original part and i would restore it to try to make it look like yeah the but way that's, it was that's a car restoration for a car you're going to use again i'm not i'm not going to harsh the man i'm not going to make fun of the guy but i don't get going to the level to the point where all you can do with the car is put white gloves on push it in and out of the garage onto a trailer drive it less than 20 miles at a time and bring it to a show like i, I don't it it doesn't do anything for me. That's I not don't for understand you, it. But that it's, is his enthusiasm. Yeah. Is that I, and that's why I'm saying knowing I'm not, every little detail about it. 
and being that obsessive about it that is the thing for them yeah. like it's it's just that that is your thing it's i guess and that's what i'm saying i'm not going to make fun of the man for it i'm just going to no. say that i don't understand it at all it doesn't make any sense to me because the reason that you or i love cars is because we love using cars we love every tactile part of a car but most importantly the driving of the car <laughs> like if i can't drive it or if the ultimate goal isn't to use it i don't understand having it so yeah it's like having a one one model kit <laughs> trying to make yeah. it exact yeah exactly it just doesn't like I get having a model kit because you have yeah, I can have a hundred models of cars that I want to look at, but I can't actually have them in my garage because I can't have a hundred cars. So that makes the models and diecast make sense for me from that point. But if it was there was a I don't know, I just don't get it. But it's not for me to get. So uh I mean it's a it's a car spectrum thing. It's just it's just something to obsess over. And just like zero in and like focus on. And it's just I guess how you I enjoy just it. prefer to zero in on cars in general. I mean, you focus on old Japanese cars, specifically, I, old, I don't, specifically old Colts. You have like I don't five even, of them. But I don't know. I have three. <laughs> but I don't even know that I, that I like I don't get lost in just them. Like I'm open to other things. It just happened to be that I wound up having these cults because i <laughs> seek them i i seek i seek seeked i seeked them out originally and then at that some point they started just to come to me but um i still I mean, have when you live in a glass open. house don't throw stones but it's, it's, <laughs> i use my i use them though you do use them but i'm just saying there are certain things that uh, about cars that you will obsess over it's just a it's just an obsessive thing it's not a 100 percent hundred percent. I, I don't disagree with that. But what I'm saying is like I, I obsess over the, the there car. There are people who obsess over detailing their car all the time. So yeah, those people are weird and I'm not, <laughs> I am going to make fun of them. <laughs> I, I stumbled into a detailing thread recently on one of the social medias and it was, uh, I had to run away very fast. I learned that the bucket that I'm using to wash my car with, I might as well be scratching it with rocks according to these yes, guys. Yes. Because the plastic material the bucket is made out of isn't isn't, you know, isn't worthy of my clear coat. I I don't know how we don't have a shortage of microfiber towels the way these people go through microfiber towels. Uh, I, I I don't know. I wash them. I guess I'm not supposed to wash them. I yeah, I wash mine. Uh, I mean, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. I try not to use fabric softener cuz it makes them not work as well. Uh, um, all all I care is that they get dust off of things. So, um I was speaking of real quick. I did I did wax the G20 finally. Excellent. I used. Uh, I was gonna do the polish compound or the compound polish, um, but I tried it on the trunk. It was just a pain in the ass to get off, even doing small sections. So I was like, mm, maybe it's a, maybe there's a better way to get just like a cleaner wax. So I went to the store and found. Um, I usually use a lot of McGuire stuff. I just sure. find it works pretty well. Um, it's easy to get, and it's not extremely expensive. It's like moderately priced. Like it's not like a like Griot's Garage stuff or some other stuff is like insanely priced. Yes, for you know, like for wax. Yeah, um, <laughs> McGuire seems to work really well for how much it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, they have a new stuff. It's like a three in one cleaner wax. It's like I don't know, just said new in the box. It was like twenty bucks. Um, worked great. Just FYI, 
for like doing a quick wax job. I think you that's know, what I bought. It's black. Comes a black yeah. container. Awesome. I mean, for the car's got clear coat. You can definitely see there's, you know, scratches in the clear coat, but they're not deep scratches. They're just right. But also, you use the light car. catches them. Yeah, like if somebody took a DA to it, it would come back and be like really nice. But just I took those pictures of it just after the wax. It looked great. So. Yep. And you don't have to worry about it so much. No. So I mean, even me, I I recently got you know the door and the side of the crest that I repainted, and I'm like all nervous about it all the time now. So see, that's obsessing over it. Yeah, hundred percent. But I'm still using it. <laughs> you are still using it, but it's just a it's just a thing to obsess over. Yeah. Like there's certain things that you want exactly right. You only want incandescent bulbs. Sure. So it's just. Yeah, it's it's just a thing. I don't know. Although I am pretty stoked because I got all new headlight buckets for the Toyota pickup, and they have four original Kyoto bulbs. See, that's so now you're uh-huh. like for the concourse, you have original Kyoto bulbs. Yeah, I'll have to take them out though, so I don't burn them out. Right? Exactly. You can only put them in for the shows, only at nighttime for judging. Right. No, I'm going to use them till they burn out, and then I'll replace them with Syl- Sylvanias. <laughs> Blasphemy. Anyway, anyway, what about the social media, Andrew? Where can they find us? As always, Auto Talk Podcast on Facebook. Don't really post much there. It's it's being weird. It's kind of annoying. Yeah, I, I push the face the Instagram stories over to the Facebook page, but the way the Facebook and Instagram, buried. yeah, but the way the Facebook and Instagram um, like relationship kind of changed. I used to be able to post we, the only thing we'd post on Facebook would be stuff that we post on Instagram, really. Right. Now I can't post I can't push an Instagram post to Facebook because it wants me to log into your personal Facebook account. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know why it does this. It used to let yeah. you just it just it used to let you associate our Facebook page with our Facebook in, with our Instagram account and it would Correct. just post to them. But you're right. Now when I try to do it. I have to unlink mine and link it to this one. I'm like, well, why have to, uh, whatever. Well, so I just it, don't it, bother. It started doing that for me and I would link them back and forth, but then it got to the point where that didn't work anymore. And then it was like, please log in as Andrew. And I'm like, well, I don't want to log in as Andrew and Andrew doesn't want me logged into his Facebook page. So no. <laughs> yeah. <screen> so, yes. <laughs> so anyway, the best place to find us is on Instagram. So that's auto off topic. And, and uh, obviously you on Twitter. Yeah. Or, and I'm also on Instagram, Race and Anger, but I'm also Race and Anger on Twitter. And for our Instagram account, though, you've been pretty diligent about posting uh, diecast every day. Yeah. In the stories section, you'll see a diecast almost every day. I did take the week off that I was there and the week after, yeah. um, but I'm back at it this week um, and I'll be doing it until I run out of diecast. It's cars. a lot of action. People like it, which is yeah. probably. I'll be Not doing soon. it until I run out of diecast cars in the year 2032. Yeah. If I do one a day on weekdays for the next 11 years, I may, I might run out. <laughs> All right, cool. Probably, Where can probably they find won't. you? Uh, I am also on Instagram at TSISS350. All right. Awesome. As always, keep guys analog and aim for the roses. Yeah.